your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow Cammie at G. You can follow the show at LO underscore Longhorns. Or if you're missing on any of our episodes, you can find it on iTunes. You can find it on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, or go to longhornswire.usatoday.com. We have all of our Locked On Longhorn podcasts right there on the website. Easy to get to. So if you miss an episode, go back and listen. Don't forget to uh, give us a rating on iTunes, on Spotify. It helps other people find our podcast, subscribe, and uh, have your buddies join in on the conversation. You know, let them know. Cammie, it is How's Wednesday. it going? It is Wednesday. Uh, I'm actually, I'm doing well. Uh, my daughter is here for the summer. So it's, it's it's a lot of excitement. It's gonna be hectic around the house. I mean, she's still wrapping up a little bit of schoolwork because they're you know they're all online. But outside of that, you know, everything's good. Just uh, I wasn't exactly thrilled when I saw what an Ohio State commit had to say about Texas. Not that he's uh, wrong, but I wasn't I, thrilled about it. I was just about to say it's really hard to argue with facts. So as bad as um, I guess it felt reading what he said. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. So what can you do? Yeah. So we're talking about, I think it's to Adelie. Yeah. Uh, four-star commit to Ohio state and he was on Instagram and somebody asked him why not Texas and threw the hook'em sign. He says, cause in the past five years, they've only sent 15% of their four and five-star recruits to the NFL draft. And that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, but it's a problem that we've kind of known about within even just the past few coaches um, in terms of player development. That's always been lacking. Um, for some reason, their highly rated recruiting classes are not transitioning to the college level. They're not producing on the field. Um, they're not getting better or anything along those lines. So I think that dates back to coaching. And he's right. I mean, the facts speak for themselves. We're not we're not sending enough people to the NFL players wise. And when we do, they're kind of later draft picks. So they're not any of those uh, highly rated targets. I mean, I know Sam Cosme coming up would be a first round draft pick, but um, that's, that's an offensive lineman. So I don't know. It's true and it, it sucks, but hopefully it'll improve. Well, you know, so is that, and I don't think it's fair to really judge Tom Herman on that, but the simple fact that, you know, these aren't his classes that are going into the NFL draft right now. Right. But it, it will it will be. He's starting to get to that point where he will be on the hot seat and he needs to develop these players. And I know his team's fairly young right now. We're going to have um, some true freshmen playing, getting playing time. We have uh, quite a bit of sophomores uh, that are probably going to be starting. So they're still very young, but um, it makes sense. Look how many draft selections and high draft selections at that, that Ohio State, LSU, Alabama constantly turn out every single year. Right, right. And I think this year, you know, is kind of the you know, going into the fourth year, it's kind of the first year for Herman mm-hmm. where you can really say it's his guys. Right. So Sam Cosby. Right. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, that was uh, he actually was committed when Strong was there. So okay. um, I guess kind of both, but he had the uh, chance to kind of back out if he wasn't uh, too into the whole Herman thing, but uh, they hit it off right away. So he just 
um, retained his commitment. But yeah, I was kind of on that line between Strong and Herman when Ellinger was headed there. Right. So those guys, Caden Stearns is up there. You know, these are, and Joseph Asai are all guys that kind of are in the running to be, you know, top tier draft picks. Uh, I think Ellinger a little less so, um, mm-hmm. just from based on the conversations that I've had. And, uh, and, and we'll get more into him later in the summer. Uh, we're going to have, in the future, we're going to have Dane Brugler. Uh, from the athletic on the podcast and and we'll probably get into that a little bit later on but you know talking about the nfl draft and you know you're talking about first rounders and and malcolm brown was the last in 2015 and he was barely a first rounder yeah that was towards the tail end wasn't it was it was, was that third, selected to the patriots i believe patriots at 32 yeah. right mm-hmm. um you know and, and before that i mean you talk about you know kenny vaccaro you know yeah. earl thomas i mean these are some of the guys that, you know, Brian Arakpo, those are your last ones. So, you know, it's been a long time since Texas has really had, you know, top tier talent, you know, and, and a lot of that has to go back to Charlie Strong didn't develop. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Charlie Strong era as a whole was just a complete embarrassment to the University of Texas. Yeah, well, I thought he needed another year or two to truly like, um, I guess to truly grade him. Um, right, right. But yeah, that's a whole nother story. Right. Yeah, but the but the thing is it, it was that loss to, to Kansas really sealed the deal on that one. But oh yeah. Uh, but you know, it, and it goes back to talking about, you know, the pressure that these coaches are under. Mm-hmm. And you have three to four years and, and you know, and, and Herman this season is is going into a, a season where he's got a almost entirely new coaching staff. But that doesn't change the fact that they're under tremendous pressure to win this year. Uh, 24-7 even came out and said so, as listed them as among the top 10 schools that have to produce this season. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. And like I mentioned um, in the article on Longhorns Wire that Texas football and pressure kind of go hand in hand. It's just part of the territory. Uh, We mentioned how much uh, that it's a school that others love to hate and not only that, but it's a program that holds itself to high, high, high expectations. So when you have a roster that's loaded with talent, like we mentioned, you fail to produce quality results, um, that pressure is obviously going to increase. So we've mentioned that it's not far-fetched that Tom Herman is on the hot seat, or you could say his back's against the wall. Um, and I think what kind of put more pressure on um, Texas football and Tom Herman is, especially is when athletic director Crystal Conte basically said, this was your one chance to reshape your staff. So now um, it has to, it has to work. And so 24 seven sports did list their top 10 teams. I don't believe they listed them in order in any way, but um, Texas Longhorns were definitely on there. Um, another big 12 school, Oklahoma state Cowboys were on there as well. Um, otherwise notable ones uh, were USC, Texas A&M, uh, Nebraska and the Tar Heels actually I thought that was interesting so um, yeah I mean there's no doubt they're under pressure and, you know that that's a little bit surprising to see North Carolina on there because I think Mac Brown obviously has done a tremendous job there he's recruited very well uh, he's turned that program around uh, from a team that you know many thought that they could do some things here and there but you know UNC is not known as a football program right uh, they're known for basketball so uh, same thing with Duke, you know, some of those schools in the ACC, that's, that's what they're about. So that's mm-hmm. kind of surprising to see them on there. Oklahoma state. I, I get it. Um, you know, Gundy's been there forever. Yeah. Uh, and the know, roster is loaded with talent this year. So oh, they absolutely are. Um, I think they're, I think their pressure though stems from 
and, and you know, it's very similar to Texas. I think their pressure stems from beating Oklahoma. Because, yeah, I agree. You know, whether, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, Oklahoma's the class of the Big 12 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've won the Big 12 championship every year since they brought it back. They've been to the playoff three out of four years. You can make your jokes about, you know, what happens when they get to the playoffs. But the fact is they've been there. They're the ones, you know, they're running the Big 12. They're recruiting very well. They're getting high quality recruits. They're producing NFL talent. You know, so, you know, it's a point where Texas has got to get to that point. And I think it all starts this season. Like if if Cosme goes top 10, top 15, uh, Joseph Asai is in there somewhere, Caden Stearns, I think that prospects will start looking at Texas again in the way that they used to under Mac Brown when he was producing first-round draft picks, multiple first-round draft picks every single year. Yeah, but I also think they need to, like, compete for the college football playoffs when the Big 12 do things like that. That would obviously help. But I thought it was interesting that 24-7 Sports admitted that um, the Longhorns were probably overhyped uh, right before the 2019 season. They were um, stating that uh, since they saw the 2018 Sugar Bowl against Georgia, they felt um, Texas would finally put it together in 2020. So that's kind of why they put them on this list, saying this is the year um, they kind of need to go out there and put it all together. But um, And they kind of mentioned if Texas doesn't take a major major step forward this year um will they ever type of thing so um they're probably going to be headed in a new direction if they can't at least compete for that big 12 championship yeah that, that's the difficult question there you know what what happens you know what's next if they can't um and you know and they're not wrong in what they said about you know with 24 7 said you know based on the you know 2018 sugar bowl i mean i think everybody thought that um uh, you know when when you think about Georgia is one of those teams who competes every year in the SEC and they're either in the playoff or on the verge mm-hmm. right there. So you take a team that that's been there, that's done that. And Texas goes out and beats them, you know, basically, I, I mean, they beat them in SEC territory, right? New Orleans is SEC country. So they go, they go in their, their territory, they win. Um, and, and you looked at everything that they did and you thought, yeah, they got something here. And I think a lot of the reason why that they failed so much last season was a lot to do with the staff that was in place. When you talk about Orlando um, and, and some of the other coaches that were there as well, you know, I think that I think that was a big part of it. And so we'll see what happens when you got a new defensive staff. You have a new offensive staff for the most part. Mike Yersich, you know, Chris Ash. No. I thought, just to add to this as well, I thought it was interesting how 24-7 Sports also kind of uh, reiterated that they thought their um, schedule was kind of favorable. And I know we'll get into that in a second, um, how it might not be. But they were saying basically, um, I guess LSU is obviously a weekend team. That's a a non-conference game and probably highly rated opponent at the time that we can go in and beat. Um, They mentioned going on the road to Kansas twice, the state of Kansas twice. So I don't know if it's actually favorable, but that was definitely interesting that they mentioned that. That is a little bit interesting. But coming up next, we're going to get into some of the three biggest trap games, possible trap games of the 2020 season. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Uh, Cami, Built Bar has these tasty – I'm a, I keep saying candy bars. You know, they're, they're protein bars. They taste like candy. I don't have the chalky taste. I don't have that taste. And, you know, for somebody who's dealing with the quarantine 20 pounds, you got added on. Uh, I recently started, you know, being a little more active, you know, getting getting some workouts in. Uh, I, I've started up doing P90X again. 
So, you know, I use that as kind of my recovery after afterwards, you know, it's low sugar, low carbs, you know, great for protein, tastes great. Go to buildbar.com, use the promo code locked on. You're going to get $10 off your first box. You can build your own box or get one of their boxes that they have already put together for you. Try out the different flavors. Let me know what you think. Personally, the mint brownie is one of my favorites and anything with peanut butter, I'm a huge fan of. So once again, Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get $10 off your first purchase. And let me know what you think of it. All right, Cammy. So we talked a little bit before the break. We're talking a little bit about trap games, upcoming schedule. Um, so taking a look at the schedule. I mean, you open up against South Florida. You got to go to Baton Rouge. You come back home to play UTEP. And then they got their first Big 12 game. And I kind of felt like that's their first trap game of the year going to Manhattan to play Kansas State. Yeah, I do too. And trap games, so just let me remind some of the listeners that um, this is kind of where elite coaching comes to play, right? So you're in D1 college football. How prepared is your team uh, each and every week, regardless of who the opponent is? Obviously, each team can be talented and can beat anyone and everyone on any field. Um, You just never know. But um, some programs, I guess, perform way above their expectations, while some unexpectedly fall before below them and um, Texas fans definitely are no strangers to that but I do think uh, Kansas State could be a trap game for them Um, last year in 2019 we barely uh, defeated Kansas State uh, 27-24 and that was with Cameron Dicker kicking the game-winning field goal as time expired so um, that was obviously a close battle it's going to be on the road mixed with Oklahoma the weekend after that's primarily why I think it could be a trap game they're probably going to be looking ahead to that big Oklahoma game so it just sounds like the trip Typical recipe of a trap game to me. Yeah, I mean, you talked about, you know, UTEP the week before, right? Not not a, a game that people are going to feel like it's competitive. Um, right. So if, it, and then going into Kansas State, you know, it'd be easy to, you know, think about, okay, we got Oklahoma coming up next week. We need to put on a good showing. And then, uh-oh, K-State just, you know, brought the fight to you. And K-State's a physical football team. They play good defense. Um, obviously, they hold, you know, they, they were able to hold Texas to – you know, just 27 points, uh, yeah. you know, in, in the big 12, that that's really good. If you can hold a team under 30, right. Cause most of the time the winning team has scored 30 or more. <clears throat> right. And, and, you know, with Oklahoma on the horizon. So that, yeah, I agreed with you a hundred percent there. I, I thought that that was definitely going to be one of those trap games, games that you got to watch out for, especially for Texas. Yeah, and I think there's another one coming up that I actually put number two on the list. And I'm not even sure if I would consider it an actual trap game, but I put them on the list because outside of Oklahoma and the Big 12, um, Oklahoma State is probably um, one of the top teams that's going to give Texas the most trouble. Um, We always play them close for some reason. The Longhorns are always having issues with them. Uh, They defeated Oklahoma State 36-30 to last season. Um, but they could defeat the Longhorns just on talent alone. We've mentioned how loaded their roster is. Gundy's obviously under a little bit of pressure. He's been there forever. Um, they're widely projected to be a top contender in the Big 12 and enter the season as a top 25 team. And it's, it's an away game for Texas, last game of the year. I don't know. I just don't know um, how they're going to fare in this game. I don't know whether it's a trap game or not because they are so talented, but it's definitely one they have to be ready for. Yeah, I don't know if that's technically a trap game, but I think it's probably one of their tougher games on the year because – Obviously, they're going into a hostile territory in Stillwater, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Boone Picking Stadium. You know, um, you know they're going to have those what are those, those long sticks that they're banging against the wall. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 
I mean, it's a great college atmosphere, but I, I just think, you know, going into hostile territory, I would say that that game might be tougher for them than Oklahoma mm-hmm. and not to discount Oklahoma whatsoever, but we know all about Oklahoma and the, the neutral yeah, field. And exactly. And I think Texas is going to be pumped to play Oklahoma and they're going to come oh, out yeah. ready for that game. And I think um, they might not have that same hype against Oklahoma state. So I don't know. It scares me. And the other thing you have to factor in there is how beat up is Texas going to be heading into that game against Oklahoma state. Exactly. Uh, talk about the week before they're playing Iowa state again, another team who plays above their talent level. Mm-hmm. Talk about Brock Purdy, the job that Matt Campbell's doing is fantastic. Rumored to go to the NFL last season, decided to come back. You know, I think Iowa State's on the right on the right road, and they're really physical, like I said, and, and that's how I think that they beat teams. And so it makes you wonder. And I kind of viewed Iowa State as a trap game, just for the simple yeah. fact that after Iowa State, you're going to play Oklahoma State. You don't want to overlook Iowa State, even though you beat them last year. Right. Yeah. And this was actually who I put number one on the list. And Iowa State defeated Texas 23-21 last year, obviously. So head coach Matt Campbell has completely rebuilt this program. I think he's going to be one of the toughest opposing coaches that Texas is going to face. Um, If you were, I guess, to ask me to bet on who the dark horse contender for the Big 12 would be, I would say Iowa State without thinking twice. I don't know. I just think they're going to have a strong year. Um, We Obviously, expect solid seasons from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Texas each year. But I think Iowa State could put it all together this year. I know they're on the right path to success. So um, maybe they'll get there this year. Maybe it'll take them another year or two. But even with the question marks, I think they could surprise a lot of teams. Yeah, uh, that's just a tough game. I think, you know, if you look at some of the other games, uh, the TCU game, I think Texas is going to be looking for payback. Uh, Yeah, that's going to be the tough one. And, and, you know, when Mm -hmm. I did my season predictions – I mean, you know, I really struggled with that Iowa State game. Right. Um, you know, that that's to me is probably the one game on the schedule outside of the two Oklahoma teams that I've got circled as that's a big game. Yeah, I think it's a huge game. Um, I don't know why. Ever since the schedule came out, that's been one that's kind of um, worried me. And they're, I don't think they're as strong as Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, but um, obviously they have elite coaching and, they're kind of up on the right path to success. And so I just think they're still in that kind of range where they can come out and surprise people. I definitely do think that. And, you know, it's kind of like you said, you know, looking back at, you know, Iowa State over the last few years, you know, they've gotten a lot better and especially under Matt Campbell. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why you kind of look at them and go, okay, uh, they're a team that I, that I worry about right. when it comes to playing the schedule. But, you know, and we'll get more into that as the season gets closer. But uh, coming up next, Cammy, let's uh, let's dive into a little uh, crystal ball prediction chat and uh, thirty-five teams that Texas has never lost to. Some interesting ones here. All right, Cammy. So we take we were taking a look at some of the crystal ball predictions on twenty-four-seven Sports and some of the top recruits that Texas is heading after. Uh, Tommy Brockermeyer, it is currently showing at 50% Texas, 38% Bama, 12% Clemson, depending on which crystal ball prediction you look at. But it's risen as high as 50-50 Texas and Bama. Yeah, I I think that's kind of the two schools. It's between as UT and Bama. But um, I would be very, and I mean very shocked if he doesn't come to Texas. All right, so take – I want you to take off your burn orange glasses for a second. Mm-hmm. 
If you're Tommy Brockermeyer and you have a choice between Texas and Alabama, where are you going? See, this is – I'm a big family person. I'm a big tradition person. And so, obviously, I believe his dad and maybe even one of his brothers you mentioned um, played at Texas. And so, I think it would be a tough decision for me because Alabama is a place you want to go maybe um, – obviously to win a national championship, um, maybe to be a high draft pick, things like that. But um, Brockermeyer could have success at Texas. Texas is obviously um, could have, or I guess could compete for the college football playoff this coming season even. So um, he'd kind of be one of the head guys at Texas. I think that'd be kind of cool. But um, like I mentioned, I'm more of a family tradition type of person. So I'd probably go with Texas. Yeah, you talked about that. Uh, Luke Brockermeyer is a linebacker. He's going into his redshirt sophomore season at Texas. So there's already one Brockermeyer here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then you factor in Tommy, who's highly regarded as the number one prospect in the country. Uh, then you also have, um, let's see, James, who did you see his numbers? A 67% UT, 33% Bama. I think whoever gets one's getting both. I agree. Oh, for sure. Or maybe it's whoever gets um, whoever gets Tommy is getting both. I should say. Yeah, I um, yeah, there's that's kind of a no brainer. I think probably that they, they're coming as a package deal, but um, I think it's interesting interesting that James Brackermeyer has a higher percentage crystal ball um, at sixty seven percent than Tommy does. So I would kind of put them as even. Yeah, and then you the, obviously uh, Blake Brockermeyer played for Texas. He was an All American offensive tackle, ninety four. Uh, also, uh, grandfather K was an offensive tackle in nineteen fifty nine team. So there's a lineage here, mm-hmm. and, and and you know I, I guess that would mean that Tommy would be the third generation offensive tackle to play at Texas. If, if that was indeed the case, considering his dad and his grandfather both played offensive tackle. Uh, and he factor in James. Uh, then we also have J.D. Coffee out of Kenandale, safety, 100% Texas. Nice. Uh, then we have Terrence Cooks, outside linebacker, 100% Texas. Teams that are also chasing Cooks are Oklahoma and A&M. Oh, perfect. I wouldn't rather beat out two other programs than those. Exactly. I mean, what better than to take take something away from those guys? That is definitely the that would be a top of the list or should be a top of the list, right, Cami? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have this list here. I went through and found the 35 FBS teams that have never beaten Texas. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to take a look at it? I did. And there's a couple I'm surprised about just, and I know, I guess the sample size isn't that big. They probably only played like one or I think, um, for example, one of my surprises is uh, Michigan. And I think they've only played once and obviously Texas won. So that was kind of surprising me just kind because of, it's kind of a, a storied and big program. And the other surprise to me was Florida. I think they played maybe three times if I remember correctly. And not um, since 1940. <laughs> Sheesh. But yeah, that was another surprise to me. So Florida and Michigan were probably the two biggest in um, uh, programs, I would say, and then obviously most surprising. So um, who did you think kind of surprised you? Uh, you know, this isn't a team that surprised me, but more of what I found out when I was researching. But Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. uh, they played in the 1943 Cotton Bowl. Wow. That was the first ever bowl game for Texas. 
1943. They had been playing since 1896, and they didn't play their first bowl game until 1943. That was a little bit of a shock to me. Right. Um, as far as you know, Big Ten, obviously the the Michigan game um, was was one of those you know big ones. And then I took a look at you know another storied football program, Navy. Texas has never lost the Navy, which was a little shocking to me. Uh, if you remember, we've talked about this in the past, 1964, Cotton Bowl. Texas won 28-6, to and that was the game where they played against the Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback, Roger Staubach, and were able to win the national championship. They would play again in 1969 in Austin, where Texas beat them 56-17. to Those were a couple of my shockers. The other shocking thing that I found when I was doing the research was the sheer amount of small schools that Texas will play, and it just looks like they absolutely refuse to play anywhere but Austin. They played North Texas ten times in their history. Jeez. Not once they ever played yeah. Denton. That makes sense, though. It does make sense. I mean, if you want to play, you know, the big guys, you're going to have to go to their house. Um, you know, and, and you talked about, you know, a little bit earlier in the show, and I just remember you were talking about how, you know, teams will play above their competition level. Right. Uh, no, I think a lot of times people are <laughs> kind of worried about scheduling these small schools because they don't want a Michigan Appalachian. Exactly. State. You don't want to lose to one of those. And, and yeah, so, you know, that's a little bit shocking, you know, and it kind of goes back to when I did the, the research project on the teams that Texas have never played. And I was a little bit surprised about Boise. Yeah. Because yeah, I, that's I, interesting. I, I just felt like Boise tries to play everybody. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they didn't play at all, kind of, you know, it was a little bit shocking. Yeah, that is. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition. Of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device to play the latest edition of the Lockdown Big 12 podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. For Cammie, I'm Patrick. We'll see you on Friday. Hook em.